They told me last week, I, or two weeks ago, I forgot to turn it on. So some people had a little trouble hearing me, even though I'm very loud. And uh, so today, I made sure I'm on. So I should be like four times louder today. Shouldn't have any trouble hearing me. We're in First Peter. And uh, my original plan was to do like a section of each chapter through four Sundays, except there's five chapters, so that kind of got messed up. And then as I started studying, I realized that I really couldn't skip things. So we may not get out of chapter one before the, my month's over, but that's okay. Um, today, I'm going to try to blend in a little bit of Mother's Day towards the end of the message, but the message is uh, going to start in 1 Peter chapter 6, or chapter 6, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6b, and, uh, and on from there. Um, we'll probably make it through verse 9. I might get a little further than that. We'll see how it goes. And uh, what I'm going to start with is a recap. Since it's been two weeks, anybody remember my first message? If you can give any pointers out of the first message, I'll give you stars. I mean, I, you know where it's from, right? Since I'm in First Peter and I'm on 6b, then I must have done 1 through 6a the first time I preached. So you at least know that much. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a quick recap. You see if you can keep up. Now, I'm starting with the last half of the verse, and I'll end with it in my recap. You are greatly rejoicing because you are now a child of the one true God. You've been chosen by God according to, to the Father's foreknowledge, set apart by the Holy Spirit to be obedient to the work of Christ, who changed you with his blood, which he shed for you. He gives you a blessing. I used this today once. I should use it a lot more. Peter says that, and then he says, Now, grace and peace to you in abundance. You like that statement? It's a nice greeting, isn't it? It'd be great to remind ourselves to greet each other that way all the time. Grace and peace to you in abundance. And he says that as a result of what you have, you have grace and peace and you can talk to each other in that way. He says, now praising God that you are born anew, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A true lifetime, a literally a forever, and yes, it's real a new guaranteed inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This is kept by the almighty power of God until the last days when Christ will be revealed. You are greatly rejoicing because of this. That's how I end it. Because that's, to me, how it ends at that point. And then he does something that sometimes... We don't want to hear. He says, even though now, do you like that? <laughs> Kids don't like to hear that. Yeah, we're going to go. We're going to go to the amusement park. 
Even though now we're going to go out and work on the garden. Even though now you're going to have to suffer a little bit through something else that you really don't want to do. Even though now. And that's sort of where he goes to. He takes you to a different place. He says, you have all of this and you are thankful and praising the Lord for this. And then he says, even though now you've had to suffer and are grieving, made sorrowful for a while. And it says because of all kinds of trials. Now, the word while is an interesting word to me. We had friends that used to use the idea a while. A while. They were down in Harrisburg area, Pennsylvania. And my best friend would say to me, I'm going to go to the store a while. I said, well, when are you going to come back? And he'd say, oh, in a few minutes. Well, why didn't you say that in the first place? Because I'm going to go a while. He'd always use the term a while. And we started to find out that there were people all around that came from Harrisburg, even in restaurants serving us, that would go get our food a while. Things like that. Well, here he's sort of saying sort of the same thing. It's, he hasn't given you a date or a time. He says you're going to have to go through these things for a while. Now, the indication is it's not a long while. It's a short time, but compared to God's life, how short is yours? <laughs> compared to eternity. Compared to eternity, our life's short. Okay? And he wants us to have a new perspective, a new idea of what life is. How are we going to get that? Well, we find out that Christ died for us and he gave us this new life through Christ. Well, what's that mean? And he wants us to grab a hold of this fact that you have a new life, a different perspective than you had before. Life isn't as you thought it was. Yeah, the world's a mess. But God has purpose. Do you ever think about your life and think about the different things that go on in it. You know, it's, it's your life. It's his glory. You living here is for his glory. You being his child and living out your life is for his glory. Your pain is for his purpose. He's going to use it. You're going to glorify the Lord no matter what you're going through. Because he has a purpose for it. The messes we make, his message. Your mess is what brought you to Jesus Christ. It allowed you to know him. You wouldn't have checked out who he was or his promises or anything if you didn't realize how messed up your life was. You needed a savior. I needed a savior. Your mess is his message. And ultimately, once you come to him, your life is all about him, not you anymore. That's a really hard one for us, isn't it? We go through things, and what do you usually ask? Go through terrible events. And what's your first question to God? What was that? When will this end? When will this end? 
Why? Why me? Why am I going through this? What in the world? I thought life with Christ was going to be wonderful all the time. I like some of the songwriters. I just quoted one, by the way. Those, those, that passage, your, my, my story, your glory, my pain, your purpose, my mess, your message. That was a Matthew West song. See, I, I don't always write my own stuff. I get it from other people sometimes because it fits the message. But the point is, God has a purpose. And you are now a permanent part of that purpose. We're his children. Earth is not a fun place to be sometimes. And sometimes what we go through is not exciting. Not from our perspective. Nobody likes to go in the hospital. Nobody likes to be sick. Nobody wants to be depressed or, or anxious. or Nobody wants any of those things. But it is part of life. Here, Christ takes it a step further and says, even though you've had to do this, even though you've had to suffer, Christ has a purpose. It's more than just about me suffering. It's greater. And my life is short compared to eternity. Now here in Peter, he's talking a lot to these guys because they're suffering for reasons unlike some of ours today, although they happen here and, in, and certainly around the world, they were suffering because they were being persecuted. Most of the world at that time, Christians were not well received. They had lots of people coming to know Christ, but the rest of the world didn't get real excited about them. If you look at the world today, you don't find everybody real excited there are Christians around. Lots of things happening even in our United States that they're not happy if a Christian shows up on the scene because we're outspoken about what we think should be happening. And they're going ways we don't think they should go. And they're certainly not glorifying the Lord. But here he says... You have these things, these trials, and there's a purpose for it. Now, it's interesting. Um, depending on the version you read in, it'll sound like the, the trial of your faith so that you may prove. And as I studied, it kind of started to look to me more like he was taking you through these things so that your proven faith, the the genuineness of your faith, which you've already proven in your life, was being tested to bring glory to God. You're going through these trials because you wanted it to come out greater than gold that's been refined. Now, in the scripture, it says gold that perishes. Gold doesn't go on forever. Gold that perishes. But your your work, your ability to live for God, your faith in the Lord brings glory to God. And it's better than gold that perishes. It's the faith that's already been proven in your life that you have grabbed a hold of the Lord and you trust him 
in spite of the fact that things in your life are not everything you want them to be. You know, when we preach Christ, sometimes you'll hear people say, uh, once you come to the Lord, everything will be good. Everything will be perfect. How many of you here will raise your hand to that statement? Everything will be perfect if you come to Christ. Life isn't perfect, but what does God do to the way you look at life? And that's really what he's talking about when he starts proving your faith, that you're going to slowly change your perspective to look at it from God's perspective, that my life is all about God. It's not about me. And if I have to go through something difficult to draw people to God and to glorify him, then it's worth that effort. It's worth going through. For them, back then, it could have been martyrdom. Could have been prison. For us, it can simply be going through normal life. And we run into difficult things we don't like. Anita and I talk about it some now. I'm, well, I'm getting older. I don't know if you noticed. I'll be 70 this year. Blows my mind. I know. Tom Walt will say, yeah, but I'm... What are you now, 85? Eight, 85? That's what I thought. He's 85, so he's got me by 15 years. I think he can still run circles around me. And uh, he certainly can cut uh, wood faster than I can, especially if my saws aren't sharp. But anyway, the bottom line is, you start having things go bad. You start having surgeries. You start having, can't walk the same. Your knees don't work quite the same. Your thumbs are getting sore because you got arthritis. You can go on and on. Life doesn't get easier. And you don't get less busy. We think that way all the time, but that, none of that's true. But God has a purpose. And his purpose for you as his sons and daughters is that you'll draw people to him. And that no matter what we go through, God is going to use it for his purpose, his glory, and to use you as a light to the world. And we have to think that way, even when life isn't the way we look at it. There's a value to going through hardship that's greater than we would see if we didn't look at it through God's eyes. If we didn't recognize a God who loves us so much that whatever we go through will have purpose and value. As I thought about this, I, I got to get off this page because it's the wrong page. I started to talk about you, uh, you greatly rejoice. You, you have a different perspective. And last week I quoted Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Since we have been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection, your mind that creates your emotion on things above, not on things on the earth. Because you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. 
That's a really nice picture if you really get a handle on it, but it's a whole different perspective. Because if you really see yourself the way that passage does, you lose yourself in God. He is everything. Christ has taken over your life. You need to let him use you. You need to be a full-fledged servant no matter what it takes. A son of God willing to die for him if you need to. We don't usually have to make that choice. We have to just choose to live through our experiences in a way that brings glory to God. And it doesn't have to be perfect because we aren't perfect. So as we look at it, it changes our perspective. Now we look through him. We look at everything through him. Why? So that the proven genuineness of your faith lived out with your suffering would be found to be of greater value, greater than gold which perishes, results in praise and honor when Christ appears. That's what he's, that's what he's saying here. That you'll get a handle on it and realize that going through this experience will bring praise, honor, and glory to Jesus Christ. And in doing that, I become a lighthouse to others and an encouragement to my brothers and sisters. It also mobilizes the church family to love and care for each other. And we need that. So then he goes on and he says, now this happens that would be of greater worth than gold which perishes, even though refined by fire, would be found to praise honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end of your faith the salvation of your souls. And this part, yeah, I changed the order. And I said, okay, you can't, have you ever seen Jesus Christ? Whom though you see him not, you love him. You love him. Why? It's not a trick question. Why do you love him? Because he first loved us. And what did he do? Died for us, shed his blood, rose again to give us life. You're a child of the living God, and all you have is eternity stretched out in front of you. Just make it through these years. But he doesn't want you to just make it. He wants you to get his perspective, even through the hard things. Our God is in control. He knows what he's doing. I don't understand, but I'm not God. Someday, maybe he'll explain some of it to us, but you understand that there's a lot you're not going to understand. 
because he's God and I'm not. And it limits my ability to, to understand fully, but I know this, he loves me and what he's going to do is going to be the best for me and will bring glory to him. He says, whom you do not see even now, you believe in him. I think it's interesting the way he says it, though you have not seen him, you love him, even though you do not see him now. He, he restates it a different way. You haven't seen him, and by the way, you don't see him now either. And yet you believe. And what's that belief bring? What's that faith in God bring? Inexpressible joy. Inexpressible and glorious joy. How do you like those statements? In the Old Testament, many times there are statements made where he says, um, at my right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. And he says more than that. And in that verse, he says a phrase that says, there'll be great celebration. We don't often think of joy as great celebration. But many times that's exactly what he's talking about. That we would have such a perspective that would cause us just to express it with great celebration. It's exciting. We have what the rest of the world does not have. In that passage that we read in, in the psalm, he said, uh, you should not fret because of evildoers in the way. Why not? Anybody remember why not? You don't have everything. Sometimes, you know, do you ever look at other people who don't know the Lord and they have everything? You wonder, why can't I have that? You know, I'm the, I'm the son or daughter of the king. Why can't I have it all? He says, do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. That's the first one. Trust in the Lord and dwell in the land. Take delight in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from evil and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it only leads to evil. But those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. See, again, that perspective changes. How does it look? Sometimes it looks like those who do evil are, are winning. Got a little dizzy there for just a second. Sometimes <laughs> happens every once in a while, so I won't fall off this, I hope. But um, it's, you know, sometimes they look like they're winning, but they're not going to win. Their life ends. And you realize that those who don't come to the Lord, their life ends, and that's it. That's the best they've ever had is what they had here. And that's the best they will ever have. So when it's your enemies that that happens to, you're kind of excited. 
when it's those that we love and pray for, that bothers us a little bit. But again, who's in control? Our God is in control. And that's where we get all this joy, by knowing that he's in control. We love him because of how he's shown his love. We believe in him because of what he's done. And it gives us inexpressible and glorious joy because you're receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You're receiving everything you've ever wanted. Everything. You know the Most High God, and he's your father. You know Jesus Christ, God the Son, brother. All the riches of glory are at your fingertips. And forever you will experience that. The rest of the world who doesn't know them, they're like the living dead. They're living, but they're not alive. And they won't have eternity. But you do. So we go through hard things and we need to get that perspective. We have a new life, a different perspective. Maybe God will take away all the suffering. Or maybe like Paul said, I asked several times and God said, my grace is enough for you. It's sufficient. Because God can give you plenty of grace to make it. And strength. And we can still serve him and love him and believe in him. I went to 2 Timothy 1, 5 because I wanted to uh, tie this into Mother's Day. And as I thought, the Lord reminded me of this passage and I went back and read it and, and I got this out of it that this was a unique relationship. It says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. He's talking to Timothy, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I'm persuaded now lives in you also. Think about that heritage. Many here have some of that heritage. Some may be the beginning of that heritage in their family line. But... We start that heritage. I, I have been a member of the Eggleston family for a while now and uh, have so appreciated the heritage that's laid out there and that it continues on. It's, keep in mind, life isn't perfect. You can look at any one of our families. They may be striving to live for the Lord. It doesn't mean their life is going perfect. They may be struggling, but... That's also what a church family is for. You know the coolest thing about mothers? I can remember even one day whenever I did something stupid and I jumped through a swing set. You know, you, you did that as a kid. You did stupid things like this. You ran and jumped through it and I jumped through it again. Everything was going smoothly and my mom hollered out, if you jump through that and hit your head, I'm going to drown you. <coughs> mom said things like that I didn't understand the fullness of the reality of this one until I jumped through, fell down, the swing popped up, hit me in the back of the head. I started to bleed profusely. And my mom picked me up, carried me in, stuck my head under the water, and turned it on. 
And I was struggling because I didn't want to drown. But she wasn't trying to drown me. She's trying to stop the bleeding and take care of me. But I didn't know that. She told me she'd drown me. Mothers and grandmothers, they take care of us. They do things to make sure that we're, lo we're loved and cared for. They're one of the nicest pictures of what God is like that he always comes alongside. He even uses that expression that he'll be like the mother hen who puts out her wings and gathers all the chicks underneath so he can care for them. He takes care of us. He's prepared to be there all the time. And we can trust him. Mothers are a good picture of that. They don't always do things the way we want them to. I can remember many times when I didn't like what my mom said, but she didn't follow through. I've never had an arm ripped off or hit over the head with the bloody end of it. And I remember hearing that. You know, mom had strong expressions, but she still lovingly took care of me. And I was grateful for that. All of you, I'm sure, are grateful for those that have cared for you over the years. I remember when my mom left home, I started to show up at, a, at the Eggleston residence to sit on a freezer while her mom made food and she'd let me talk and she became like another mother to me because she would encourage me. I was falling apart and she was just loving me. Anita wasn't real excited because we weren't together at some of that time, so she'd show up after a date and I'd be sitting on the freezer in the kitchen. That wasn't always exciting, but in the end, it, I, it helped me win her, you know. What can I say? But the Lord has a purpose in everything that happens. Did I want to go through that experience back then? No. But God brought me to himself through some of that experience caused me to grow through some of that experience and brought others towards me so I could tell them about Christ. So in this passage, I want you to catch that. Those are the purposes I want you to catch. You, you haven't seen him really, but you love him because you know what he did. You do not see even now, but you believe in him. Let that result in joy. Because your faith results in your salvation, this is forever. I wanted to do this just to remind you of how amazing your God is. He's always there. Life is not going to be perfect. I wish I could tell you that to everybody. Life is perfect. But life isn't perfect. But God is. And no one can be the kind of father that God is. So as we rejoice today with mothers, as we think about how God's designed things, remember that he brings you to the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls.
One day, we will meet him in the air. It's going to be an exciting day. Could happen on the way out of the church today. Any of you mind if he does that? I'm ready. But until he comes, he is still the same great, amazing, loving God. I'm going to have a word of prayer, and we're going to sing a verse of the song that I have set out. And then we're going to let people take these nice flowers to people, to uh, mothers, not just anybody. You know, take them to mothers. So let's have a word of prayer. Gracious Father, you are an amazing God. We're grateful for your word. There's so much in it. We realize that we could preach your passages over and over again. And we would still never find an end to the messages. Keep teaching us, Lord, because we have only a small grasp on who you are and even who we are because of you. But we're thankful that you are part of our life, that you have drawn us into your family, that you are there all the time. Help us to look with new eyes, to see the life you've given us, to look with new perspective, to see that you as the God in control is doing amazing things with our lives, even when we think nothing is happening. You are still doing amazing things with our lives. So thank you, Father, for this time today. Might we rejoice as we share with the mothers our appreciation of all that they do. We'll praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Turn our hymn books to, I think it's 412. Is that the right one? Yep. 412, and we're just going to sing um, sing the first verse, and maybe we'll sing another verse, we'll see. Let's start with that one. Dying with Jesus by death reckoned mine, living with Jesus a new life divine. Looking to Jesus till glory does shine Moment by moment, O Lord, I am Thine Moment by moment, I'm kept in His love Moment by moment, I've life from above Looking to Jesus till glory does shine. Moment by moment, O Lord, I am thine. Now if uh, somebody related to a mother will come and grab these flowers, you know, don't rush. If there isn't somebody related to the mother, then somebody else can pick one up and deliver it. See if we can get all these mothers' flowers delivered to them, okay?
She'll be fine. Oh, she's not a mother. That's all right. wonderful day. So grateful for those who can play piano and play it the way they do. It's wonderful to hear that and, uh, and uh, we certainly hope and pray that they'll grow up wanting to play for the Lord for the rest of their life, play piano. Because music is beautiful. Grateful for all of you who sing whenever we sing songs and praise the Lord. It sounds wonderful and we're grateful for those who play up here and sing. God gives us amazing messages. And it's just so nice to remember that he is actively involved in our life. And our life is his. So as we go home today, keep that in mind. Put him first. Remember to serve in a way that would draw others to your God. Dear Lord, thank you for your love. Help us just to live in a way that would draw many others to want to know about you. We love you and we know that you love us. We believe in you and we've seen what you can accomplish. Work in our lives. We are all in different places. We need different things, Lord. You know specifically what will help us. Work in our lives that we might be filled with inexpressible joy. And we'll praise you in Christ's name. Amen. You are dismissed.